On today's show, we'll discuss Fraser Mitten and Easton Callen making Canada's World Junior roster. We'll also tee up tonight's Leafs and Blue Jackets game and talk a little bit about Craig Berube out in St. Louis, another coaching firing in the NHL. So all that more coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leaves podcast, a daily Maple Leaf centered podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you think Toronto's got a chance to dismantle the Columbus Blue Jackets like I do tonight, place a $5 wager and get $150 in bonus dollars afterward if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. What's going on, Dave? How you feeling today on a Thursday? Because you can't be on a Thursday, I guess. Um, you know, got some news popping out. I, I totally caught off guard just like also like how close we are to the tur- the World Junior starting. Dude, like- December, December is going by so fast. And like I have done zero Christmas shopping and the World Junior rosters have already been announced. Like that, that is worrisome. Very worrisome. Uh, like what, where are you? Where are you at with that? By the way, are you someone who gets your Christmas shopping done pretty early? Are you very late to the party here? Like it's today is what December fourteenth. Is it typical for you to kind of be, you know, done halfway done, nothing done? Where are you? Where are you at when it comes to Christmas shopping? I'm usually the one that gets the gets the shopping done early. It, like I have no worries. Christmas Eve comes around. And I'm like, oh, I forgot this person. <laughs> oh no, that's the worst. But like, I I'm the same. Well, I'm not the same way. I'm I'm that person where it's like the final week until Christmas. It's December twenty first, second, third, twenty fourth. Sometimes where I'm like, I still got nothing. I need to get something for suffer for my my dad for for my sister. My dad's the hardest person to shop for. I don't know what like the problem is. Like when you're shopping for adults. People, if they want something, like they just go and buy it themselves. Like I don't know what people want. Like if they want it, they go out and they buy it. It's so difficult sometimes to do that. And I am team uh, absolute no no when it comes to gift cards. I hate getting gift cards. I hate giving gift cards. Uh, I'd honestly rather cash over gift cards. So that is a that's a, a no no for me. I know some people say, "Ah, just get a gift card and away you go." Not my style. I do not believe in it as a gift because there is zero thought into it whatsoever um that may be a hot take but that's how i feel and that's how i go about my business uh speaking of business let's get down to it dave because there is quite a bit to talk about today but we'll start off with a conversation about a couple of stud prospects for the toronto maple leafs getting uh named to the team canada's world junior roster today 
congratulations to Fraser Minton, the 2022 second round pick, and then Easton Callen, the Maple Leafs first round pick uh, this past draft in 2023, both of which named to Team Canada. Pretty sweet to have uh, some Maple Leafs representing, uh, you know, the country, and we'll get to where the the Maple Leaf again this time uh, a white a red and white one instead of a blue and white one. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be surprising like if you haven't been following what these guys have been doing since they like yeah both of them were literally there. Fraser Mint was here to start the NHL season. Easton Cowan was here till the end of training camp. Like these guys have taken significant steps in their development. Obviously, Cowan a recent draft pick, but Fraser Mint and a pick from last year and. Now uh, we had um, Kyle Cushman. We had Kyle Cushman on. I don't know why I blanked on that one for a second there. Well, we did. Have Kyle I got you. Uh, last week to discuss just both of them, and he said they're pretty much locks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he definitely uh, Minton seemed like a lock, and Cowan was you know likely. I I think is the way he put it. it was, he was likely to make it, but I don't know if it was necessarily a lock. Um, but he did, so it doesn't really matter at this point where, you know, we're just mincing words. Uh, but Easton Cowan, like, you're right, if you haven't been paying attention and you just remember his name from the draft and people were like, whoa, that seems like a stretch to take this kid. He was supposed to be a late two, maybe even a, a third-round pick um, by some rankings out there, prospect rankings. Uh, didn't have the most incredible season, just 20 goals, 53 points through 68 games in London in his draft year. But then he really came on strong in the playoffs, had 21 points, nine goals through 20 games uh, for the London Knights. And he's parlayed that into a real solid season. His D plus one year uh, up to this point prior to leaving for World Junior Camp through 23 games, he's got 12 goals and 39 points through 23 games. He's been an unbelievable force, a two-way guy at that. So uh, it, it clearly was not um, a shock to see him go to this camp and get the opportunity to try out for Team Canada. Um, and he certainly wowed, you know, the 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 decision makers there, just like he'd been doing in London. So congrats to to Easton Cowan, and obviously, you know, Fraser Minton was the guy who we assumed was gonna get a a roster spot so he gets to to represent the country as well no it's nice to see because uh we haven't had many least prospects make canada over the last few years so it's nice to they'll have a little bit of a double rooting interest right because we're always rooting for canada but now we can root for the prospects from the least being on the roster as well and in a way expect them to have some sort of significant contribution not just maybe used to play like they should be they should figure into the lineup right from the get-go yeah yeah um and for those wondering what the numbers look like for fraser minton so far this year hasn't played a lot of games obviously he was up with the Leafs for the first couple weeks this season uh got sent back down to cam loops put up 10 points in seven games then got traded actually to the saskatoon blades he played six games for them he's got five points so far still trying to figure out know his role within that team obviously but 15 points in 13 games um expected to play you know a significant two-way role for uh for team canada here at the world junior championships and you know you you mentioned it both these guys expected to play a lot and that's mainly because well canada only announced 12 forwards um now this is by design apparently the word is they're hoping that one of the 
Um, NHL players will get loaned out to, to Canada, whether, you know, whoever that may be. I, I think Matthew Savoy and Matthew Poitra are the two players that are kind of being circled as potential guys who could get let go. Um, but we'll see. Like Savoy, I'm pretty sure, is playing top six minutes right now for, for Buffalo. And, and Poitra, he's one who maybe could get lent out. Like, I thought I saw he had a couple healthy scratches over the course of the last couple of weeks. So maybe he's somebody who they're looking at um, and could potentially send down to, to get some games in um, if he's not going to play, you know, more than a fourth line role with the Boston Bruins, but who knows? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll detail the full team maybe a little bit more next week and perhaps get Scott Wheeler, or Tony Ferrari on to, to join us to break the team down. And we'll have a little bit more of a world junior championships primer as we get closer to uh, the tournament, which obviously, you know, kicks off on, on boxing day as it does every year. But I do have a trivia question for you, Dave, before we kind of wrap it up here for uh, our world junior Leafs talk. Can you name the last Leafs prospect to represent Canada at the World Junior Championships? Oh, man. Do, 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 I mean, how much time am I supposed to give you here, pal? John Jersey? No, he wouldn't have been on Canada. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think of prospects on the team right now. Oh, it was Villeneuve, maybe. Villeneuve was not on Canada's World Junior team. He he had a big um, uh, Memorial Cup tournament, won a Memorial Cup, but did not win uh, or play for Canada at the World Junior Championships. The last Maple Leaf to represent Canada at the World Junior Championships was Ian Scott. Back in 2018-19, the now-retired Ian Scott. But if you recall, this guy had himself one hell of a junior career uh, yeah. years ago. Um, I think it was the, he was with the Prince Albert Raiders the one he year. He had like a, a stupid record, 38-8-3. Yeah, yeah, he was. Like 38-8-3, a 9-32 save percentage, and a 183 Goals against through 49 games, got named to the uh, roster for uh, for for Team Canada. Only played one game in that tournament for whatever reason, but only gave up two goals, got the win in that game. Um, he was the last player um, who was a Maple Leafs prospect to represent Canada. Prior to that was Mitch Marner and uh, Travis Dermott, who both represented Team Canada back in 2015-16. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since, you know, we've been able to to cheer on Maple Leafs prospects wearing the Maple Leaf uniform uh, in terms of, you know, the Canadian Maple Leaf uniform. So, you know, we don't have to sit here and cheer for Sweden or cheer for the Americans when Matthew Nyes was there. We can actually double down and just straight up hope for a Canadian success. So I'm excited for it. And again, we'll... We'll get more into World Junior Talk perhaps next week and, and break down the full Canadian roster uh, and some of the other teams and players to to look out for in the tournament as we get closer to it. Uh, on to the Leafs, though, Dave. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick break. They got a game tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We will 
preview that game and what to look for tonight. And uh, there's some news and notes from around the NHL we got to get to as well. So before we get into any of that, though, I do want to tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors, and it's our good friends over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NHL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. For example, tonight, over three and a half goals for the Maple Leafs on FanDuel. I like that against this very poorest team in the Columbus Blue Jackets who are giving up the second most amount of goals in the NHL. So that's one option to make a wager at FanDuel. So you can visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NHL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the Locked On Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We are your hosts here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. We got new shows coming out each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. You can find the audio form of the pod wherever you do get your podcast from. You can also find us on video format on YouTube. Again, it's Locked On Leafs. Search it up on YouTube. Hit subscribe and uh, you know get that content directly to you each and every day and keep locked in on what's going on with the Maple Leafs. Speaking of, they, uh, they're back home after a quick road trip to New York. A pretty successful road trip, I would say. Picked up three or four points in a back-to-back coming off uh, a, a Big win against the Rangers, too. They blew them out 7-3 on Tuesday. And now they've got uh, the complete opposite of the Rangers coming into Toronto. Uh, They've got one of the worst teams in the NHL uh, that they've got to host here in uh, at Scotiabank Arena. Blue Jackets 9-16-4-1 on the year. They are 8, no, sorry, 2-8-2-1 on the road. Just 2 victories on the road this year are the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it's going to be, um, you know, tough, I think, for Toronto not to not to not take this team too lightly because that's, you know, what Toronto sometimes does. Uh, does the term trap game maybe come into effect here, Dave? Like, it, it certainly does. Like, this team has... There's a track record here. Like there's a track record. Even this season, they have not won won a game against the Chicago Blackhawks. That's the first team I think about that the Leafs have lost to. Um, you know, even like even a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, who yes, on paper have a lot of talent, they're not good this year. No. And they lost to that team, right? In regulation, I add. You know, they've lost to the Senators badly. Like. Their losses have come predominantly against teams they should beat. Yeah, the record against sub-500 teams for like a third straight year is just astonishing. It's so bizarre how this team continually loses to teams that do nothing but lose. Um, but it's the old saying, like they they play up to their opponents, they play down to their opponents. And I think that's why you look at this as, as a bit of a trap game where it's like, okay, they just came off a, a pretty solid road trip. They played so well against the Rangers. Just replicate that performance and they should win 14 nothing against the Blue Jackets. But it's their fifth game in eight nights, and I'm sure they all had themselves a jolly good time in New York City after that win 
um, you know, coming off the dad's trip. There was no practice to to shake up, you know, to shake things up on on Wednesday. So they're kind of going straight into game action. It'll be a morning skate, obviously, but I don't know. I I I do think Toronto should win this one. They will, I think, end up winning this one. But like when you think trap game, this is kind of exactly the type of game that you know that the the definition of it. Yeah, I mean, just look at the roster, right? Look at that Blue Jackets roster. We'll pull it up, yeah, because I know you got it ready to go here. If we're we're looking at the roster and like their starting goalies, uh, both of their like their one and and B goalie Merzlikens and Tarasov are both out. They're on IR. Uh, so goaltending wise, it's either going to be Jet Greaves or uh, Spencer Martin, um, which neither would scare me. That being said. How many times has a nobody, nothing goaltender turned out a Vesna performance against the Toronto Maple Leafs? Again, trap game. Um, but yeah, like goaltending wise, they've been they've been bad. Like they've allowed more goals than any other team not named the San Jose Sharks. And if you take out those two games where San Jose allowed ten goals in each of them, they are the number one uh, team when it comes to goals allowed. Uh, but yeah, we, we're looking at the Ford groupings here on uh, on Daily Faceoff. This is the team that uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets have been icing. I mean, yeah, Goudreau's a good player. Fantilli's a rookie, but like that. So the fact that Adam Fantilli is is their top line center and he's like thirty games into his NHL career does go to show kind of how poor this team is and how starved they are for talent. Yeah, I know like they're dealing with some injuries, but like Fantilli legitimately has been one of the better centers. Like when you look at it, it's like, oh, who else are you gonna put there? It's almost like don't really have many better options than Adam Fantilli. And it's yeah. you know, unfortunate because this guy, yeah, you no, know, we've seen Connor Bedard kind of been thrust into it, but Fantilli's not Connor Bedard. He's a good player, but he's not a generational talent like Connor Bedard is. And like the Blue Jackets just haven't really, I mean, they've probably been one of the more disappointing teams considering what they were expecting to do. They were expecting to take that next step. And this lineup shows that eh, maybe we're a little, a little too, somewhere too hasty to give this team, you know, put the team in that position. They have some decent players, but it's, look at the lineup and totally like, Patrick here and there. Patrick Liney, as it's said on Daily Faceoff, is not a top six player on this team. Dude, Patrick Liney was in the press box two <laughs> weeks ago, if you recall. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. There's there's like a couple of good players. Like you've got Goudreau, you've got Liney, and then there's a lot of guys where it's like, okay, there there's prospect value there, there's name value as prospects, but they haven't really shown you much at the NHL level. Like Kent Johnson, yeah, that name sticks out to me as a prospect, as somebody who, if you recall, you know, played well at the World Juniors a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, that I thought he was going to be a terrific NHLer. That hasn't been the case. He spent half the year in the American League. Cole Sillinger had a great rookie season for Columbus, but last year really fell off, and then this year hasn't been able to get back, you know, to to being a potential top six type player either. You know, and and, and scroll back up. I forgot who who you know were the other guys who were in the top six there that I wanted to mention. Um, like that second line there is interesting. Can you do me a favor and and can you pronounce all of the names? 
first and last for that second line just because it's hilarious. Well, you got Igor um, Shinnikov, mm-hmm. Dmitry Ron- Ronkov, mm-hmm. and Kirill Marchenko. Yeah, three Russians all together uh, as uh, its own little line here. And, you know, we'll see what they can do. The, the Russian Express line is, is uh, that's what I'm calling it. I don't know what they call it out there, but uh, like that's their second line. But again, it's it's a bunch of young dudes like Kirill Marchenko's in his second season in the NHL. Dmitry Voronkov, pretty sure it's his first year in the NHL. He came over from Russia, so he's not like young. But it's his first year in, in, in North America here. Jaeger Chinnikov. It's his second full season, I believe, in, in the NHL as well. So it's just not a lot of veteran. There's not a lot of talent, really. Like Goudreau's the name value there, obviously. But even he's not having an exceptional season. Um, I think he still only has like a, a handful of goals where, you know, typically he's a guy who's crushing it, um, you know, especially early on in a season. Uh, defensively, we'll take a look at the blue line. Zach Wierenski, guy's a stud. Obviously, we know that's the case. Um, but Nick Blankenberg, to be his partner, it's like, all right, Wierenski, yeah, put that kid on your back. And, and if you're Toronto, you're dumping the, the puck into one specific corner, and that's whichever one Nick Blankenberg happens to be defending in. Am I, not, am I, am I right on that, Dave? I think you're pretty accurate on that one. Yeah, I think that should be uh, should be the case. Um, Provorov, if you forgot, Provorov was traded there this summer as well. He's uh, you know manning the second line along with last year's uh, uh, was he the number two overall pick or number four overall pick? He was a top five pick. Um, I think he was third because I think the Devils had second overall, right? Uh, Cooley, Cooley went three. So I think he may have been like fifth or sixth, but either way, he was in that Shane Wright, Slavkovsky draft. Uh, and you know, so he's young. He's, he's still very, very young. Uh, David Juracek, just, you know, 19 ish years old, I believe. And then Jake Bean and Andrew Peak uh, round out the third. Andrew Peak actually, if, if you're thinking about a potential player that the Leafs could be targeting for like a depth defenseman. Andrew Peak is a name that's been out there. He signed under contract for a couple more years. You know, he's a big body right shot. I think he's like 6'4", uh, like 215 pounds or something like that, block shots. He's he's an interesting name to maybe keep an eye on if, if you know, you're thinking about, oh, who the least, who could the least go out and get to improve this defense? He, he is a name, probably not as a top four guy, but if you're looking to improve the right side, you're looking to bring in a uh, a physical guy for a bottom pair. He's an interesting name to keep an eye on tonight. By the way, your check was sixth overall. Sixth overall, yeah. I knew that he was pretty high. Couldn't, yeah, because Simon Nemich was the devil's pick at number two. Cooley, yeah. and then uh, obviously Shane Wright with the daggers at four. Who was the Cutter, fifth pick? Cutter, Cutter Goch. Yes. Flyers. Yeah, Cutter Goche goes uh, to the Flyers for Eurocheck. And then, yeah, we don't know who's going to be in net tonight for uh, for either team, I suppose, um, whether it's the Maple Leafs or it's uh, or it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. As for the Leafs, yeah, there's a, a list of all the players who are also injured. Right injured. I will say, like, they're, they're, it's not like Columbus doesn't have injury. Although, Gabranson was technically a suspension, not an injury. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he's back in the lineup or when that suspension was supposed to be served. But even then, like y- you look at outside of Boone Jenner, 
Uh, I mean, Jack Roslovic, he he looked good the first like three weeks he was in Columbus, but he has not really been all like, he's a bottom six player. He's a third liner at best. Like they still don't have much talent. Like, yeah, Jenner clearly. And, and that's actually big because he's, I remember Boone Jenner, he, he likes to score a goal or two against the Leafs whenever he's in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in a game last year where Toronto lost and Boone Jenner had scored a goal against them. Um, but, you know, outside of him, meh, you know, the, the injuries are more so on the blue line with like Severson and, and Boquist. And then obviously good Branson brings a little meat potatoes. So it's, it's a very short handed Columbus team that lacks talent that lacks a uh, veterans uh, that lacks good goaltending. It should lead to a big Toronto victory. It really, really should. But what we've seen over the past like three years is uh, whenever you think that's the case, typically the least bomb it. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if this is a different club. What's that? And we all vomit with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's essentially what happens. So we'll see. I mean, they've been playing a lot better recently. They, they have been. Um, they've been playing a lot more connected and better defensively. Their, their goaltending has been fine. Uh, you know, with the injury to, to Joseph Wall, and they got their their stars who are scoring. I mean, like I said, the Blue Jackets have given up. Only the San Jose Sharks have allowed more goals than the Blue Jackets this year. Like, that should allow Willie to break out of his goal-scoring funk. That should allow Matthews to keep it rolling tonight. Maybe you get a goal from Tyler Bertuzzi, who's gone some games here without a goal, but is deserving of one, I believe. Maybe see Nick Robertson hit the score sheet. Like, this should be point night. But as a, a jaded Leafs fan who's seen this play out, whenever we say, oh, point night, it just doesn't. It it ends up being a, a 4-1 loss where the opposition goalie, who you don't even know the name of, ends up standing on his head and ends up with like an expect uh, goal saved above expected of like three and a half. Go look at what happened with Arvid Soderblom a couple of weeks ago. That's exactly what happened. Go look at what happened to them last year when they took on uh, Alex Lyon, who you know has actually turned out to be a competent NHL goalie since. But up until, prior to that game, he was not, and that kind of turned him into what he's became now. Um, but anyways, we'll see what happens. Should be uh, should be a good game. Uh, hopefully, the Leafs can you know take it to the Jackets though, uh, and show that it's a new it's a new regime. And uh, they got a new mentality, and they can beat anyone, especially beat up on the bad teams. They got to do that. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to some news and notes from around the NHL. Uh, There's been another firing in the league in terms of uh, coaches being let go. We'll tell you about that and whether or not it was surprising or not to us. So we'll do that on the other side. But first, Dave. Watch how the good folks about our friends over at AG1. Yep, today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens by AG1. Maybe you're like me, you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's no longer the case with AG1. With one delicious scoop of AG1 and a glass of water each day, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things. It can be hard 
and expensive to keep track of multiple different supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard it can be on your stomach. AG1 costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free trial packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. Just uh, one more time. We got a game tonight at Scotiabank Arena. Maple Leafs hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, Elsewhere around the NHL, uh, the Blue Jackets technically were the first team to fire a coach. Uh, It didn't. Their coach didn't even make it to training camp. We all know what happened with Mike Babcock, which is another underlying storyline that sucks. This would have been the return of Mike Babcock, and now we don't get it because that idiot had to look through people's phones. You don't get to boo Babcock. Oh, I just thought of that now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about everything that's gone on this season, and then you forget about Mike. Like, literally, probably in Blue Jackets' case, they probably were kind of happy at some point that people forgot about Mike Babcock. Now the Blue Jackets are back in Toronto, his name gets brought up and they're probably like, oh, now I got to deal with this all over again. True. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, Another guy who joins the long list of firings this year, like we've seen a lot more than usual before Christmas here. I mean, uh, obviously Babcock was the first technically to get fired this year. And then you saw uh, out in um, with Edmonton. Yeah, in Edmonton, then Dean Evison was the one I was looking for in Minnesota. Uh, and, and now you can add Craig Berube to the list of the St. Louis Blues. Like, this is a guy who won a Stanley Cup for them, their first Stanley Cup in franchise history, you know, like four or five years ago. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a team that's hovering around 500. Uh, apparently, they had higher expectations than that. And they decide we got to move on from our guy, Craig Berube, out in St. Louis. Uh, after last night's 6-4 loss to the Red Wings, it was the fourth loss in a row. Um, the team currently 13-14-1 at the time of the firing. Did it surprise you like it did, you know, so many other people? It didn't surprise me just because I was hearing that the Blues were, like, obviously I, I try to keep track as much around the league, but... Um, like I heard that the Blues weren't happy with how things were going this year, and you know, maybe they're going to think about ways to move the direction. But really, there's not much you can do with that roster other than fire the coach and hope it sparks change. But like, yeah, did I expect it to happen this quickly? No, because like Craig Berube again, as you mentioned, won this team their only Stanley Cup, and was a big reason why. Yeah, John uh, Jordan Bennington also played a little bit of a factor in that. But that team was last place in the NHL and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he turned that team around and it, it and to me, I think it's also, yeah, they're letting a lot of people off the hook with this firing as well. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not getting a lot of solid play on the ice. I think that's pretty much what it is. Um, I was a little, a little 
not confused, but surprised by this, to be quite honest with you. But then I looked into the numbers and it did make a little bit more sense to me. Um, you know, you when you look at it, yes, 13, 14, and ones, they're a 500 hockey club. Did I expect St. Louis to be a playoff team? I don't, I don't think I did realistically. Like they're kind of performing to expectations in terms of, you know, where I thought they'd be in the standings, a team maybe on the outside looking in. Could they be competing for a wild card spot? Probably, um, which I think they still technically are, which is why they have made this change to make sure they turn things around and stay competitive for that wild card spot. But when you look at how the team is playing, it's not good, Dave. It's really not good. Um, they're lucky to be 500, actually. If you look at a lot of their underlying numbers, they're uh, minus 14 in goal differential, but they've got the third worst expected goal differential in the NHL. Um, so, like, only the Sharks and Blackhawks have a worse goals expected, um, you know, percentage than this team. They have the third worst expected goals against at five on five as well. So defensively, they've been piss poor. Luckily, they've gotten some half decent goaltending from Bennington this year that's made, you know, their record look half decent. But as far as on the ice goes, it's been pretty poor. You look at special teams, Dave, 78.5 penalty kill, which is 20th in the league. That's okay. It's basically middle of the pack. You look at the power play. 31st in the NHL, but it's only 8.4%. 8.4% power play. That is atrocious. And if it wasn't for the Washington Capitals having like a historically bad power play to this point, this would be last in the NHL. Like, so their special teams has been extremely poor uh, as well. So it's bad at five on five. It's bad on special teams. It really did make sense to to shake things up because you look at this roster and it's like they're they got a lot of guys in their prime where and they they're all locked into like decently long contracts. You can't really sour on these guys, and I think they've handed out some like no moves and no trades clauses as well in those deals. Oh, yeah. Um. So like this isn't really a roster you can just kind of turn over and make some trades and, and maybe things change. Like you got to kind of hope that a new coach brings, brings something else out of this team because Craig Berube, they weren't playing for him and, and maybe the message just got stale perhaps. And, and they need a new voice. You want to see how bad this is when it turns like you, we complain a lot about no trade clause. Justin Falk, Tory crew, cold Pareko, Nick Letty all have full no trade clause. That's just a blue line. <laughs> just a blue line. Marco Scandella has a modified no trade clause. Why? Why? <laughs> Brandon Saad, Braden Shen have full no move clause. Pavel Busnevich and Kevin Hayes have modified no trade clause. We don't know Kevin Hayes. You know, he waived it to go to St. Louis. It's 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 ridiculous how many of those deals came with no move clauses. It like even if they wanted to move these guys, and I would imagine go if you go and you look go look at Robert Thomas's deal on Cap Friendly. Go mm -hmm. look at it once his okay. UFA years, but even when his UFA. So I sorry, he has um, eight years remaining on his deal. Yeah, 
Um, he's a UFA in. So when his RFA years are done, does it no trade or no move clause kick in at any point? I'm looking at the deal right now. Yeah, sorry. Two years. Two years. He has. A, there's a two-year window where he is technically tradable, and he's probably the only guy on that team that shouldn't be traded because he's actually good. But, well, Jordan Kyra, I'd imagine, is in the same same boat as him, probably. Robert Thomas Jr. Because keep in mind, part of the CBA is you can't get a no-trade clause as an RFA, right? Both, so, like, Both literally the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's why I knew eventually once yeah. when you buy into those UFA years, that's usually when a no-trade clause or any type of clause gets built this in. standard so, for guys like this, but it's almost like Doug Armstrong's just like, yeah, we're not going to trade you anyway, so we're just going to give you a no-trade clause. Well, I mean, here's the good thing about St. Louis. If they do want, like, a torch-it-down, you know, rebuild, retool, like, they do have some attractive assets. Like, Jordan Kyra and Robert Thomas, they're good players. They're signed to long-term deals. I think there will be many teams who will be lining up for their services. Like, Robert Thomas is still a point-per-game player this year. Like, as bad as they've been, and well, that's... That production's all at five on five because they ain't doing squat on the power play. Exactly. So, I mean, a lot of that's coming at five on five. So, you know, Jordan Kyra's doing okay. It's a bit of a down year for him, but he was an all-star a couple of years ago, this kid. You know, Pavel Bushnevich is a good player still. Nine goals this season. Um, You know, so, like, there would be tons of teams who would be interested in Bushnevich. Toronto should be interested in a Pavel Bushnevich. He'd be perfect for, you know, this team's top six, uh, potentially. You know, Brayden Shen, I'm sure, is a player that team still would covet around the NHL. Um, You know, and then you you look at the blue line, there's still going to be guys who – you know, have some interest as well. Like Colton Pareko, I know he's not what he used to be, but if teams eat some money there, you know, maybe he's a more attractive option as a, a four or five defenseman. You know what I mean? So they've got, if they wanted to tear it down and, you know, rebuild this team, pick up picks, pick up prospects, they do have some attractive assets. Uh, you know, Bennington's another guy who's having a good year. Um, perhaps they could get some assets for him. But uh, it, it, what this firing those signals is not that they they don't want to do that. They actually want to compete and keep her rolling and try and make the playoffs this year. And uh, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, lastly, uh, I saw this this come across my Twitter timeline today, and I can't tell you how much I laughed when I saw this. Uh, nothing screams hockey concert like the Jonas Brothers, Dave. The Jonas Brothers have been announced as the performers at the stadium series for the Flyers and Devils game on February 17th at MetLife Stadium. The Jonas Brothers. I was getting concerned you're going to like reveal them as like the performer at the All-Star game because I was actually thinking about going to the All-Star game. I would be like, I'm not a huge Jonas Brothers fan. Like I've never, <laughs> them, but I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think you were the the target audience either, Dave. Definitely, most likely not. I was like, I mean, I, I've only I've been to an outdoor game. I went to the Centennial Classic. They're nice, but they they there is that fatigue there. Jonas Brothers as the solution. Uh, 
okay, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's what it is. I, it, it was just, I thought it was funny. In my head, I'm like, the Jonas Brothers, really? Like, I don't, I don't see many hockey fans being like, oh, yeah, I love the Joe Bros. Want to see them for sure. I just don't. Especially in, uh, you know, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Not <laughs> that. But anyway, um, yeah. So the Jonas Brothers will be performing uh, live at the, uh, at MetLife Stadium ahead of the Flyers and Devils Stadium series on uh, February 17th. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. Good stuff. Um, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on X at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti and follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you enjoyed the show today, we ask that you do leave a like, also a comment down below and uh we'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow we will recap the game against the blue jackets and tee up for what's coming up uh over the weekend for the maple leaves as well so that'll be tomorrow until then keep it locked right here on locked on leaves